This podcast is brought to you by Military True Crime Addict, a podcast focusing on true life events of military personnel, veterans, and those associated with the military. Give a voice to the victims and hear their side of the story. Raise awareness of the heinous crimes and support those most impacted. Military True Crime Addict is available wherever you get your podcasts. And you don't need to know anything about the military to listen. Now, back to the show. You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers, and it's time. It's, it's time. time. It's 30s time. Time, 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 time. It's uh, public enemy time. Who was the public enemy? What was their names? Brasco and... Uh... Oh, uh, public enemy was right. uh, what the fuck were Rocco names? Rock yeah, and Rocko fucking Rock Johnny and, uh, Grunge. Yeah. Pretty sure they're both dead now. Are they? Just like the uh, two subjects that we're about to cover here today. Do they die the same way? <laughs> well, I certainly <laughs> hope not. But we made it. 1930s slash Great Depression slash public enemy era for a minute for the first few years of the 30s anyways. All right. And you know, always starting out with a bang. We told you guys for the last four or five episodes, Bonnie and Clyde is going to be our first well, here it is. ever episode on the 30s coming in. We ended pro- yeah, Prohibition with... Pretty much everybody's story that we could. There's still stories out there that we might. We're still considering, even in the Wild West era, they were still considering putting out, you know, little ten minuteers just on the uh, little people that didn't have their lives documented as much as these guys did. So, look for that in the near future. Maybe it's a side thing. Who knows? But for now, Bonnie and Parker, Bonnie and Parker, <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie Parker, Bonnie and Parker, and Clyde and Barrow. Clyde and Barrow. There's four of them at one time, guys. Right, Bonnie. And Clyde, the fucking most infamous boyfriend and girlfriend um, murderers, and then until um, besides Mickey, and, until uh, Mickey, Mickey and Mallory and came along. But um, <laughs> dude, Mickey and Mallory, that's, that's fucking such a great movie. We're definitely gonna have to throw this in here. What Mickey and Mallory? Yeah, throw it in somewhere. Not in this show, but I don't even think it was real, was it? Of course, it's not real. That's what I'm saying. So why would we throw them in there? Might as well. well we're gonna do a separate show. God fucking. Fake criminals <laughs> on screen, outlaws and gunslingers, outlaws and gunslingers on, on the silver screen, on the screen. silver screen, <laughs> right? Silver screen, outlaws and gunslingers, right? That sounds good. I mean, we already got uh, outlaws and knife slingers coming up. So. Well, do we? We don't know. We don't know. Bonnie and Clyde, Bonnie Elizabeth Parker. We all know them as criminals who traveled to central United States with the Barrel Gang during the Great Depression, robbing people, killing people. But, they were, had a bunch but of, they, really, was it a barrel gang, though? Well, yeah. They are just... Clyde was the leader. It was yeah. like it was the James gang. I guess. They were riding with his brother Buck, his wife Blanche, Raymond Hamilton, W.D. Jones, Joe Palmer, Ralph Fultz, and Marvy Methvin. And Marvy. <laughs> where did I get Marvy? <laughs> Henry, Henry Methvin, amongst many others. Nice. And as usual, with a lot of uh, the... What are they? I, I don't even know the word for it. The most popular characters... 
they were heavily exploited in the media back then for their so-called crimes and some of them are myths as well which we'll get into a lot of them about bonnie are myths a lot of them about bonnie are myths uh which we'll get into as, as well the funny thing is, we might know of them all as uh, bank robberies, but they actually prefer to rob small stores and rural gas stations. Like, they fuck did. those bank robbers. They, they robbed about a dozen of them, but it killed at least nine police officers, several civilians, until that fateful day on May 23rd, 1934. We've all seen the pictures of the bullet-riddled car. Right. Which and, Did you watch The Highwaymen with Costner? I never and, made it uh, to the end of that movie. Costner and uh, Woody. Woody Harrelson? Yeah. No, and it shows actually what you just said there, robbing little stores and shit like that. Right. Good stuff. Never yeah. made it to the end. I only yeah. made it like, I made it to like right when they first started tracking them, and then uh, I think I fell asleep. Oh, and it gets good after that. No, I think so it's I'm like sure it does, but it was, it was like an movie. hour to get to the fucking part yeah. where they first started dragging them. I think it's like a two and a half hour long movie. Because Kevin Costner's wife's like, no, don't go. Right. He's like, I have to. She's like, no. Didn't him and Woody's character didn't get along with each other uh-huh. or something? Of course. You know, and then they'd be like, oh, I love you guys. But right. I probably don't know. I've never seen the end of it. but uh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's been a while since I watched it. But as usual, we're going to take you to the story. We were going to do originally Bonnie, a whole episode on Bonnie, a whole episode on Clyde. But it's not a lot about these guys when they were growing up. All we know really about them is their exploits through robbing and killing. So... We'll take it away. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the real story of Bonnie and Clyde and a bunch of myths that people are known to uh, that have been passed down, I guess, throughout the years that right. uh, just never happened. So you know how it goes. You know how we, we know how we do it. Well, you got, we'll start off with old Bonnie, obviously, ladies first. Bonnie Elizabeth Parker was the second of three children, born in Rowena, Texas, to Charles and Emma Krause Parkers. Dash Parker or Krause Parker? So, oh, her mom's name was Krause, and her dad's name's Parker. Or was it Krause Parker? <laughs> it's Parker, man. Hmm. I'm sure the chick's name was Krause, yes. Right. Anyway, she was born October 1st, 1910. When she was just four years old, her father passed away, and the family moved to Cement City. Cement City? <laughs> if that's how you say it, I don't know. An industrial Obviously. suburb known as uh, West Dallas. Now known as West Dallas, yeah. To live with her grandparents. So she went out there to live with her old grandparents. Mommy couldn't do it anymore, I guess, huh? Uh, in her second year in high school, Parker met a boy named Roy Thornton, and the pair dropped out of school and were married on 25th of September in 1926, Aww. six days before her 16th birthday. She was 16, he only was 16, but I was too young to know Yeah, we were in love. Right. However, however, their time together was brief as Thornton was physically abusive, and the two had several brushes with the law. Several brushes. 1929, Thornton was sentenced to five-year prison sentence for robbery. And Bonnie was like, my you know what? My mama told me you want no good. I mean, my grandmama anyway. Right. She's like, I go back to my grandma. And she did. She moved back in with grandma. She would never see Thornton once again. Once again. Ever again. <laughs> once again. Yeah. She would never see Thornton well, again. Or once. Yes, right? I guess. <laughs> but they were never divorced. Uh-oh. And Bonnie was wearing Thornton's wedding ring when she died. Maybe uh, Clyde had some... Weird ass fetish. He was like, "Don't take that ring off, bitch! Right. Don't take that ring off." Well, speaking of Clyde, well, they were even every, even if they were like fucking around. They're like, "Dude, you got to go by the law or God or whatever. You're married. You can't take that shit off." That shit was like sacred back then. Was it? 
Mm-hmm. The Lamar's, they were fucking killing people. I don't think her wedding ring fucking mattered. To yeah, but it did. I mean, I guess it did to her. But speaking of Clyde, he was named Clyde <laughs> Chestnut Barrow and was born into a poor farming family near Toleco, Texas, of course. which is a sound ju- town just southeast of Dallas on uh, March 24th, 1909. It's about a year older than old Bonnie. He was the fifth of seven children of Henry Basil Barrow and Kumi Talitha Walker. Hmm. They eventually moved to West Dallas in the early 20s, at first living under their wagon. These motherfuckers were poor. Oh. Well, Clyde was first arrested in late 1926. Same year as that. 17 old, years uh, old. She was getting married, married. and uh, he's going to jail. He's going to jail after running when a police com- when the police confronted him over a rental car he had failed to return on time. He was arrested again when he and his brother Marvin Buck Barrow were in possession of stolen turkeys. Oh, no. Barrow had some legitimate jobs during 1927 through 1929, but he also cracked safes, robbed stores, and stole cars at the same time. So nice. this guy never really ever was one of the first, left the life of crime. Motherfucker was one of the first boosters, man. I am gone in 60 seconds, gone in like three hours and a half. <laughs> <laughs> gone in... 780 <laughs> seconds. All right. It's going to take a while, guys. I got to crank. They're probably going to see me. I got to work the choke. and They're probably going to see me because it's so fucking smoky. Right. And then I'm going to have to kill the fucking owner because he's going to hear this shit. All right. <laughs> and then probably the rest of the family because the car still ain't going to start by then. <laughs> and I got to wait another 15 minutes. just cranking while yeah. people are coming out of the house <laughs> just fucking <laughs> shooting the shit. And then I got to wait another 15 minutes for it to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good thing there ain't no phones. <laughs> It's going to be a while, guys. Several counts describe Parker and Barrow's first meeting. Several counts. The most credible states that they met on January 5th, 1930, at the home of Barrow's friend Clarence Clay at 105 Herbert Street. Clarence Clay. That guy just sounds like he was a success. Right. Uh, 105 Herbert Street in the neighborhood of West Dallas. Barrow was 20 years old. Parker was 19. Mm. Parker was out of work, staying with a female friend. Uh, that was, she was assisting her friend, uh, recovery of a broken arm. Mm. I don't think you really assist with a broken arm. I mean, chicks, chicks had to do a lot back in the day, so she probably couldn't wash clothes, clothes and do head, anything. The clothes they had to wear. Right. No way you need like five hands to put them fuckers on. Those fucking, uh, girders or whatever the fuck they're called. That's why I always fucking, when I'm watching like a Western or shit like that back in the day, and you see them about to do it to a guy and a girl, you know, He's like, it's going to about take about fucking 15 minutes for these guys to get their clothes off. I wonder how many times by the time they got their clothes off, they was like, well. <laughs> right, like, man, I just don't feel like it anymore. This ain't a good idea. <laughs> I wonder if a lot of them had, like, built-in um, flaps you could just throw down. Right. It had to have been, right? Easy access. Nudity during sex fries. Well, fry wasn't a thing until, right. like, the 40s, 50s. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Barrow dropped by the girl's house while Parker was in the kitchen making hot chocolate. Okay. Both were smitten I immediately. Was smitten. Hmm. Most historians believe that Parker joined Barrow because she had fallen in love with him. Wow. I, I mean, come on. I would have fucking assumed why else would Obviously. You? Idiots. Their romance was interrupted when Uh-oh. Barrow was arrested and convicted of auto theft. Come on, Barrow. You didn't fucking learn. Well, apparently, uh, Bonnie was so smitten with him because while Ooh. he was in jail, she smuggled a gun nice. on uh, March 11th, 1930, and he and his cellmates escaped. Whoa. However, However, freedom would be short-lived as they were captured a week later. Uh, this time, Barrow was sentenced to 14 years of hard oh, labor shit. and sent to the Easton Prison Farm in How long April was he sentenced the first time? I didn't say. No. So he's going to... Uh, he's going to a labor camp, like right. literally fucking digging railroads and all that shit. 14 years. 
What an idiot. Well, while in prison, Barrow used a lead pipe to crush the skull of another inmate, a man named Ed Crowder, who had repeatedly sexually assaulted him. Whoa. This was Clyde Barrow's first killing. However, However. another inmate serving a life sentence took the blame for him. He's like, you know what? You're, you're a young guy. So how do they know this guy was sexually assaulting him? I like to know that. So they asked other prisoners. He probably did it right in front of everybody. Like, what was going on? This guy keeps putting his dick in his butt. Kept ramming his ass. He kept on sticking his penis in that guy's (laughs) ass, and he he was like, no! (laughs) And he overpowered him, and he did it at least 12 times. That was the first day. (laughs) 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 Did you think back then they wouldn't tolerate that shit anyways, but you you fucking deserved it. Right. Well, Barrow then convinced another teammate. (laughs) I guess guess they would be. They did some teammate. (laughs) Right. Barrow then convinced another inmate to use an axe to chop off two of Barrow's toes Mm -hmm. in order to excuse him from working hard labor in the fields, causing him to limp for the rest of his life. But Barrow could have saved his foot, and had he known that his mother was pensioning a release for him. (laughs) Pensioning? Oh, petitioning, sorry. (laughs) I'll get a pension. Can I set a pension for my boy gets out in 14 years? Uh, so he chopped his toes off. Not knowing that mommy was getting mommy, out. Mommy was just fucking about to get him released. Right. Just six days after losing his toes, the petition was granted. <laughs> oh, no. He was paroled on the 2nd of February, 1932. Leaving prison, a <laughs> yeah. changed man. Yeah, I would say, two less toes right. and a wider asshole. <laughs> there, <laughs> there was one inmate, Ralph Fultz, F-U-L-T-S, yes, sir. would say he watched him change from a schoolboy to a rattlesnake. Okay. Uh-oh. And his sister said, something awful sure must have happened to him in prison because he wasn't the same person when he got out. Well, after Barrow's release from prison in February 1932, he and Fultz began a series of robberies, okay. primarily of stores and gas stations. All right. Their goal was to collect enough money and firepower to launch a raid against Eason Prison. Jeez. Really hated them for making him chop off his own toes. Right. On April 19th, Parker and Fultz were captured in a failed hardware store burglary in Kaufman in which they intended to steal firearms. Parker was released from jail in a few months after the grand jury failed to indict her. Ah. Fultz was tried, convicted, and served time. He never rejoined the gang. Okay. Look at Bonnie getting in there robbing some fucking stores. Where the the fuck was Clyde? 30th of April, Barrow was the getaway driver in a robbery in Hillsborough, during which store owner J.N. Butcher, or Busher, was shot and moited. Doesn't say who moited the guy, but Butcher's wife identified Barrow from police photographs as one of the shooters. Mm. Well, I thought he was the getaway guy, although he had stayed inside the car. Right. Parker wrote poetry to pass the time in jail. This is while while, uh, Bonnie's in jail. Oh, Bonnie, yeah, Bonnie's in jail. Right. Well, Bonnie's in jail. She's writing poetry. uh, Which a lot of it would be discovered and... um, It would. Published after she died. She reunited with Barrow within a few weeks of her release from the Kaufman County Jail. Yes, sir. Well, then on August 5th, Barrow, Raymond Hamilton, and Ross Dyer were drinking moonshine at a country dance in Stringtown, Oklahoma, when Sheriff C.G. Maxwell and Deputy Eugene Seymour hey. approached them in the parking lot. Barrow and Hamilton opened fire, killing Moore and gravely oh, no. wounded Maxwell. Maxwell. Moore was the first law officer that Barrow and his gang had killed. They eventually murdered nine altogether. We said Damn. that. On October 11th, they allegedly killed Howard Hall at a store during a robbery in Sherman, Texas, though some historians consider this unlikely. Right. Probably not in the area at the time. But why is that even in here? Right. The FBI. You may ask. Right. I don't know. Right. And the FBI, well, then called just the Bureau of Investigation, uh, the FBI became interested in Bonnie Clyde in uh, December of 1932 through a singular bit of evidence so all they had was this one little piece of evidence and it was a bit it was a ford automobile which had been stolen in 
Pawhuska, Oklahoma. It was found abandoned near Jackson, Michigan in the September of that very year. I don't know about Bonnie and Clyde being in Michigan, though. Oh, they were. Ah, at Pawhuska, it was learned another Ford car had been abandoned there, which had been stolen in Illinois. Well, a search of this car revealed it had been occupied by a man and a woman indicated by abandoned articles in the car. Also in the automobile was a prescription bottle, which led special agents to a drugstore in Nacogdoches, Nacogdoches, Texas, Mm. where investigation disclosed the woman for whom the prescription had been filled was Clyde Barrow's aunt. Further investigation revealed that the woman who obtained the prescription had been visited recently by Clyde, Bonnie, and Clyde's brother, L.C. Barrow. It was also learned that these three were driving a Ford car identified as the one stolen in Illinois. Uh-huh. It was further shown that L.C. Barrow had secured the empty prescription bottle from a son of the woman who had originally obtained it. The FBI was now on the hunt for Bonnie and Clyde after all that. So they one little prescription bottle. They were pretty careless leaving fucking shit in the car unless they had to just get up and go. Probably had to. Or mm. just careless, I think. Well, yeah. That's what I think it is. W.D. Jones had been a friend of Barrow's family since childhood. He joined Parker and Barrow on Christmas Eve in 1932 at the young of age, young of age, at the young age of 16. Clyde came in and was like, honey, I got a Christmas present for you. She's right. like, oh my gosh, what is it? He's like, a new gang member. <laughs> She's like, I fucking love it. She's like, yay. I fucking love it. I'm right up home. Right. And the three left Dallas that very night. That night. The very next day, which was Christmas Day, 1932, oh, Jones guy. and Barrow murdered Doyle Johnson, a mm. young family man, while stealing his car in Temple. Poor guy. Poor Doyle Johnson. Barrow killed Tarrant County Deputy Malcolm Davis on the 6th of January, 1933, when he, Bonnie, and Jones wandered into a police trap set for another criminal. The gang had murdered five people since April of... Uh, that year. So that was just a couple months. No, since April of thirty-two. Oh, the year before. So that yeah, just about under, under a year. Under a year, five people. I mean, it's pretty not as big of a body count, but it's five people in under a year. Right, pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. It's one every two months. It's pretty. It's called serial killers. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like pointless murders. All right. Me. On March twenty-second, nineteen thirty-three, Clyde's brother Buck was granted a full pardon and released from prison. Oh, nice for Buck. He and his wife Blant set up housekeeping with Bonnie, Clyde, and Jones in a temporary hideout at three three four seven. Three three four seven and a half Rundown Avenue. <laughs> oh, yeah. At three three four seven and a half Oak Ridge Drive in so Joplin, Missouri. Duplex, then, huh? I would assume so. According to family sources, Buck and Blanche were there to visit. They attempted to persuade Clyde to surrender to law enforcement. The group ran loud, alcohol-fueled card games late into the night into the quiet neighborhood, and Blanche recalled that they bought a case of beer a day. That's it. The the men came and went noisily at all hours, and Clyde accidentally fired a bar, which is a gun, in the apartment while cleaning it. No neighbors went to the house, but one reported suspicions to the Joplin Police Department. Yeah. About the old pill bottle being left in the car. Sounds like they're pretty fucking reckless. That's they just don't give a fuck. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm getting that. They're, they're kids, 20 years old. Not even, yeah. 21 years old, right. fucking partying and just whatever, dude. And they haven't learned because they've been doing it for the past, like, four years. Right. Well, two. Since they're young. At well, least yeah. Well, yeah. 17, 16. 17 was first arrest. And they just haven't grew up. Mm. Even getting fucking busted a hundred million times. Well, sounds like a certain guy I know. <laughs> right. The police assembled a five-man force in two cars on the 13th of April to confront what they suspected were bootleggers living in the, uh, the garage apartment. Okay. The Barrow brothers and Jones opened fire, killing Detective Harry L. McGinnis outright and fatally wounded Constable J.W. Harryman. 
Parker opened fire with a bar. What is it with everybody back in these days using their initials and nobody says their real name? Right. J.W. Harriman. Like, can I be... Can I be... Uh, what the fuck is the uh, full term for a bar? It's like a sawed-off shotgun or something like that, isn't it? It's a Browning Automatic Rifle. Oh, okay. Browning Automatic Rifle is family automatic rifles and machine guns. So he had the machine gun. Oh, yeah. It's basically, yeah. Yes, sir. Nice. Good it's stuff. Fucking up shit. Oh, it's basically a 30 out 6. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay. Where are we at here? Uh, Parker opened fire with a bar gun as the others fled, forcing Highway Patrol Sergeant J.B. Kaler. G.B. Right. Oh, <laughs> G.B. Kaler to duck behind a large oak tree. Well, yeah, that'll uh, save him. So his name is probably George. George. Buchanan. George Barry or something. Right. Well, the thirty caliber bullets from the bar struck the tree and forced wood splinters into the sergeant's face. Oh, Parker oh. got in the car with the others, and they pulled in Blanche from the street where she was pursuing her dog, Snowball. Stupid bitch. The surviving officers later testified that they had only fired only 14 rounds in the conflict. One hit Jones on the side, one struck Clyde, but was deflected by a suit coat button, and one grazed Buck after wow. ricocheting off a wall. A bu- These guys are running around fucking wounded. At least the yeah. uh, WD is. Well, the group escaped the police in Joplin, but left behind most of their possessions at the apartment, including Buck's parole papers. Three weeks old, this was. Mm-hmm. See, that's the stupid part. When they have to fucking run, they can't come back, and now everything's there, so now you know for sure this is who we are. Yep. You fucking morons. A large arsenal uh, of at weapons. At this point, oh my. At this point, it's only going to end how it ends. There's no other right, ending for none. this story, but what happened? Yeah, there's none. Well, they, all, they left Buck's papers for parole. A large arsenal of weapons, a handwritten poem by Bonnie, and a camera with several rolls of undeveloped film, which is probably all kinds of shit on there. Most of them is what you see right. of Bonnie and Clyde, right, in any picture you've ever seen of them. Right. Police developed the film at the Joplin Globe and found many photos of Barrel Parker and Jones posing and pointing weapons at one another. See, these guys were fucking just like, dude, I swear. The Globe, wow. sent, right? the Globe sent the poem and the photos over to the Newswire. Including a photo of Parker clenching a cigar in her teeth. So that's how they, they thought she was smoking right. a cigar. Which right. it wasn't. That's a, well, it's unproven myth. Hypothesis. Would be a myth. Would it be a myth? It would be a myth. But it's still not proven that she, I mean, it's still not nothing to say that she didn't. Maybe. Well, and a pistol in her hand. So she had a cigar in her teeth and a pistol in her hand. Was she wearing a dress, at least? I'm assuming so. And the gang of criminals became front-page news throughout America as, you guessed it, the Barrow Gang. Yeah. The photo photo of Parker posing with a cigar and a gun became popular. Oh, this is what the newspaper said. After the photo became popular, they said, John Dillinger had matinee idol good looks, and Pretty Boy Floyd had the best possible nickname. But the Joplin photos introduced a new new criminal superstars with the most titillating trademark of all, illicit sex. Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker were wild and young and undoubtedly slept together. Oh, damn. <laughs> Basically calling Parker a whore. Right. See, this this had made uh, Pretty Boy Floyd and John Dillinger happy, though, because it took some of the heat off of these guys. Well, at this time, John Dillinger was public enemy number one, which we'll get into both him and uh, Pretty Boy. Right. But it does uh, take it off because Marty- But look how they describe him. Wild and young, exactly what the fuck they've been uh, characterizing right. throughout wild what we've, what we've seen young. so far. They should just call them ignorant idiots. Right. Young, dumb, and full of cum. At least Bonnie. And maybe Clyde. Oh, <laughs> Clyde definitely was. He- well, sure he, he was still shitting that I'm shit. Sure son of a still. He was right. still shitting that shit out for fucking. Right. I mean, your intestines are right. 
miles. When they did autopsies on him, they found the fucking DNA from that guy in (laughs) him. That's how they knew, right? Right. (laughs) Little like half-born babies. I don't know how, since there's no uterus or anything, but maybe a colon can create children if you put it up there far enough. (laughs) I don't know. That's pretty fucked up. Be yeah. a shit baby. Right. So it sounds like fucking uh, Jim Leahy. It's <laughs> a little shit baby, Randy. Yeah, it's gonna be a shit storm. Anyway, the group ranged from Texas as far north as Minnesota. So these guys from Texas all the way up to Minnie for the next three months. So uh, they're just all over the fucking place, nonstop, right? Yes, sir. Well, in May they try to rob the bank in Lucerne, Indiana, and rob the bank in. The- <laughs> They tried to? Did they do it? I don't think so. They didn't get the one on Lucerne, but they robbed the bank in Okabana, Minnesota, though. Okay. Anyway, they kidnapped Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone at Ruston, Louisiana. What the fuck names are these? Right. Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone. Right. Like, holy shit. They sound totally made up. Right. So they kidnapped those guys because they're trying to steal the car, and they must have put up a fuss to throw them in or whatever. I don't know. In Rustin, Louisiana, another made-up right. sounding name. In Rustin, Louisiana. This was one of several events between 1932 and 1934 in which they kidnapped police officers or robbery victims. Jeez. They usually released their hostages far from home, though. Sometimes with money to help them return home. Something's oh, all of those guys. Like, hey, dude, we didn't want to have to do it. If you just, just fucking just... a fucking car. If dude. you would have just fucking left the fucking car, you'd have been good. But now we had to drive you fucking 200 miles from your home in the middle of nowhere. They haven't invented phones yet. Oh, dude! Uh, how much do you think they Wait, were their phones in 1926? Of course. Why? How much no, you think they? Right, yeah. How much you think they fucked with them before, like letting them go? Like I'm gonna fucking kill you now! And oh, like, ah, they maybe. threw money at them. Like, depends. get the fuck out of here. Well, depends on how sick they were. I want to hear. Pretty sure they were fucking pretty sick. Well, was there any stories of these two that they put out? You think there would be like an autobiography? How I how we we survived Bonnie and Clyde? Right. How would you not? You think so, right? You would fucking think so. Right. Stories of such encounters made headlines as did the more violent episodes. Okay, here we go. (laughs) The Barrel Gang did not hesitate to shoot anyone who got in their way, whether it was a police officer or an innocent civilian. Other members of the Barrel Gang who committed murder included Hamilton, Jones, Buck, and Henry Methvin. So if they're known not to, I mean, to shoot anybody that's in their way, no matter what, so why did they take hostages when they did? If they're willing, dude, if they're willing to take out somebody that's in their way, dude, they're young and fucking wild. They're right. probably like, oh, let's get this fucking guy. And right. who knows if they raped the chick and did what to the guy? Very who true. fucking knows? Who knows? That is very true. Well, eventually, the cold bloodedness of their murders is what uh, opened up the public's eyes to the reality of their crimes, and eventually led to uh, their very bloody end. The photos entertained the public for uh, a bit of a time, but the gang was desperate and discontented. Is that how you say it? Discontented? Yeah, man. That's a stupid not word. Content. I get discontented. It. I get it, but that's a dumb word. Discontented. Right. As described by Blanche and her account written while in prison in the late 1930s. With the new notoriety, <clears throat> with their new notoriety, their daily lives became more difficult, obviously, as they tried to evade discovery. Yeah, I mean, when you got a fucking crime scene through the middle of America, it's a little hard to just run around, you know? I mean, at first, they could hide their faces or they didn't let anybody survive to say what they look like. And then they're leaving shit behind. Right. And, I mean, they're idiots. Idiots. Restaurants and motels became less secure. They resorted to campfire cooking and bathing in cold streams. Mm. The unrelieved, round-the-clock proximity of five people in one car gave rise to vicious bickering. Right. Turning on each That's other. That's the thing that people, right, they're sitting in a fucking hot-ass car for hours on end, three in the backseat, elbow to elbow. 
in the in the, in the uh, 20s and 30s right with their cars are very tiny anyway you can maybe fit two in the back seat comfortably yeah maybe anyhow jones was the driver when he and barrel stole a car belonging to darby in late april so they wanted another car they're like fuck this shit we need two car and he used that car to leave the others <laughs> no he's like fuck this shit <laughs> well the car that they stole from That's um funny. The Darby guy and Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone, that's the car that they're talking about. And then he eventually used that to fucking just leave. <laughs> it was like, fuck you guys, dude. Fuck you guys. I'm getting away from this fucking fucked up gang. Right. They had the other car and he decided right. to take this one. Yeah, I get it. Then yeah. he left. Right. He left. He got that car and he was like, fuck this. I need to go. And he left for what? What was month were they in? April. He left for two months. A couple months. Well. Came back on June 8th. Barrel failed to see a warning sign at a bridge under construction on June 10th. No, oh, no. While driving with Jones and Parker. Now Jones comes back and this shit happens. Right. Instantly. While driving with Jones and Parker near Wellington, Texas, and the car flipped into a ravine. Sources disagree on whether there was a gasoline fire or if Parker was doused with acid from the car's battery under the floorboards. Ooh. But she sustained third degree burns to her right leg so severe that the muscles contracted and caused the leg to draw up. Oh no. Jones observed she'd been burned so bad none of us thought she was going to live. The hide on her right leg was gone from her hip down to her ankle. I could see the bone at places. Damn. Damn. She got that shit burnt. That sounds like an acid burn. That don't sound like a fucking uh, Damn. And these Fire. and these words that this Jones guy wrote down later in his life or something, obviously since they're in quotation I marks. So, right? There's, that's his quote. So hmm. I'd like to read his autobiography, right, or whatever he has. I'm sure that if they have that, they have more. Hmm. Could have been a statement to the popos. I doubt they talked to the cops. Dude, he got caught. Parker, right? Parker could hardly walk. <laughs> hardly, you think? Hardly. <laughs> she shouldn't even be able to stand up. She either hopped on her good leg or was carried by Barrow. No. Oh, wait, wait, when it first happened, that's right. what you're saying? Okay. Damn. Bitch is strong. She, well, I'm sure she was carried by Barrel. I bet she wasn't that good looking either. Oh, there's a couple pictures of her. Decent. I think I remember, but I really... Okay. Oh, yeah, I do know. Yeah. Everyone has faced the problem. What gift to choose? What to give yourself when you sit at home? What to give your friend or parents? What to give your wife or husband? What, do you, what to give your children or colleague at work? Well, Unidragon and their wooden puzzles has this problem solved. Why do people love Unidragon puzzles? Well, each puzzle piece has its own unique shape. It's interesting for adults and children. Each puzzle is packed in a premium wooden gift box. So no flimsy cardboard tearing edges fall apart. You know how it goes. New puzzles are released every month, and they have an incredibly colorful design. You will not regret checking this product out. Not only is it an excellent and unique gift for others, but it can be a gift for yourself. There's no better gift than one for yourself, right? They're perfect for a nice, relaxing afternoon, and figuring out the puzzle will help keep your mind sharp. So you can go to unidragon.com and use the code OUTLAWS for 10% off your order. They got pretty cool-looking uh, wolf. The animal ones are pretty sweet. They got a wolf one, um, a fox one, a lion one. They're And the, the best thing about these ones that I really like is every shape of the puzzle is a shape of a different animal, so you're kind of figuring that out it's not just boring little puzzle pieces that you got to try to fit together and they're made of nice sturdy wood they also have ones you can get a big map of the world and hang it on your wall a big wooden one and pin out your destinations you want to go they got everything that anybody could ever want for a puzzle anything that you would ever need so it wouldn't be too hard to find a puzzle for somebody you love or even for yourself for those uh rainy days 
So head on over to Unidragon.com for the most unique, creative, and challenging puzzles out there. And use the code OUTLAWS to let them know we sent you and get that 10% discount. Uh, they got help from a nearby farm family, then kidnapped Collinsworth <laughs> County Sheriff George Corey and City Marshal Paul Hardy, leaving the two of them handcuffed and barbed wired to a tree outside of Eric, Oklahoma. So, at least they didn't kill the, the farm family. You know? We don't know that. Well, they would have. All right. Damn. You think they did? I don't think they did. They would have said it, probably. It's fucked figured. up if they did. It would be like the last house. Well, they got help from them. I don't think they're going to. Well, Killed somebody guys, that helped him. The guys from the last house on the left were gonna. No, they didn't until they realized daughter was there. Right. That's right. Dumb bitch had to come back. She would have came back like 10 hours later. She would have been fine. But their guts hanging out. Oh, no, that was the other one that had the guts yeah, hanging out. Made her pee herself. Well, the other one ended up dying in the fucking river anyway, so. Oh, yeah. Wait, was that the daughter? Oh, no, then she came back from that, right? Yeah, she came back. And then the mom and dad, like, chainsaw the other guys to death or some shit? Oh, they fucked up. No, my mom. I think the mom did. I don't know about the dad. Yeah, I think dad might have died. But the girl was laying on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. That's right. I remember mm-hmm. now. Gruesome. Casey, baby. Well, the new one wasn't as good as the older one. Never saw the new one. Don't plan on it. But you got to watch the director's cut of Last House on the Left, though. I haven't. I wanted to. That's the one where you like actually. They show they more gruesome shit in the like woods. They spend like five minutes pulling the intestines right. out of the in fucking woods, one yeah. chick. Yeah. Wait, they, they show all that? Fuck yeah, dude. He's like pulling it out of her. Yeah, they ain't put none. They put a little bit of that in the new one. The three rendezvoused with Buck and Blanche and hit in a tourist court near Fort Smith, Arkansas, so Parker could get with the burns, man. <laughs> do you want to try, uh, try the southern accent? <laughs> she, has to get, she has to get with burns. She has to get, with she has to get right with her burns. She has to get with her burns. Anyway, yeah, that's what he did. Nurse old Parker's burns. Buck and Jones, Bungle Day Robbery, and Murder Town Marshal Henry D. Humphrey. See, that's a good band name. Henry D. Humphrey? No. Well, maybe. <laughs> Buck and Jones, Bungle to Robbery. <laughs> I would fucking have that as a band name. <laughs> right. That's too much to say. Why? Y'all seeing uh, B-A-J-B-A-R tonight? Right. B-A-B-A-J-B-A-R. It's Badge Bar. <laughs> you guys seen Badge Bar tonight? You seen Badge Bar? They murdered it in Elma. <laughs> <laughs> so much that Henry D. Humphrey was there. Anyway, at this time, Buck and Jones, Bungle Day Robbery, and Murder Town Marshal Henry D. Humphrey in the city of Elma in the state of Arkansas. The criminals had to flee, despite so. Parker's grave condition. Grave condition. Obviously, right. can't stay here no longer. In July 1933, the gang checked into the Red Crown Tourist Court south of Platte City, Missouri. It consisted of two brick cabins joined by garages, and the gang rented both of them. Right. To the south stood the Red Crown Tavern, a popular restaurant among Missouri Highway Patrolmen, and the gang seemed to go out of their way to draw attention. Obviously. Are you guys fucking retarded? Blanche registered the party as three guests, but owner Neil Hauser could see five people getting out of the car. Hmm. He noted that the driver backed into the garage gangster style for hey. a quick getaway. Damn, so nobody... thats oh, yeah, a, I right. bet you that's a thing, too. Nobody probably fucking... Right. Who's going to back their car into the garage? They're just right. going to ride it up. He's like, yeah, only criminals fucking uh, back away then, yeah. for quick getaways like that. Yeah, right. good, good observation by old Neil Hauser. It is great. Well, Blanche paid for their cabins with coins rather than bills. And did the same hmm. later when buying five dinners and five beers. The next day, Hauser noticed that his guests had taped newspapers over the windows. Uh, Blanche once again paid for five meals with coins. What the fuck are these guys doing? Her outfit of jod pur riding breeches 
also attracted attention. What's his job? Jodhpur. It's probably fucking. It's the ride-in breaches for horse ride-ins oh. or a car ride-in or something. They were not typical attire for women in the area that were that you know. So these these guys are out of towners. They're backing their cars in. They're paying with coins, right? Not a lot of people paying coins in 1920, 1930 something. That's like a that's a wild west thing. Wild wild west. Jodhpurs are yep. tight-fitting trousers that reach to the ankle. Yeah, or like routing, riding fucking trousers. Yeah. Almost, she's ready to jump on a horse whenever she needs to. So oh, they didn't even take horses. Well, if she needs to, she's so, good. I don't understand why she's wearing them, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say yeah. that attract attention. Well, everybody else be bitching because the shit's These guys are up. fucking idiots taping wind or newspaper over their windows. Like that's not gonna get you fucking attention, right? Guy, and oh, what the fuck? Idiots. Not one of these people in this gang had any fucking common sense, right? Well, anyway, yeah, that's what they're. That's the number one thing they remember. This chick, she had these. Horse riding material right. clothes on. Uh, it attracted attention from everybody that was around. <laughs> they were not typical attire for women in this area. Mm-hmm. And the eyewitnesses still remembered them 40 years later. Remember, hey, man. You remember that woman uh, about 40 years ago was came in there riding or uh, getting those job per riding breeches? <laughs> <laughs> them fellas, they went, they backed that car right in like they're ready to load. Fucking gangsters. Ready to get out of the fucking air. Shit quick. Mm-hmm. Shit quick. Shit quick. <laughs> get out of there. Shit quick. Hauser told Captain William Baxter of the Highway Patrol, a patron of his restaurant, he was like, guys, hey, 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 buddy, let me tell you about this group that just came in. <laughs> there's there's, just, there's, there's just, some weird motherfuckers that just pulled up in my shit. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking newspapers over the windows. Fucking nuts. This bitch is wearing horses. <laughs> horses. <laughs> this, bitch is, this bitch is wearing horses' uh, <laughs> shoes and... <laughs> Like, what the hell? This bitch is wearing horses. All you hear is clink, clink, right. clink, clink. Poor little wearing, tink, tink. Right. This bitch is wearing horses clothing, and we haven't seen a horse in 20 years. <laughs> right. I thought those things were dead. Well, Baron Jones went into town to purchase bandages, crackers, cheese, and atropine sulfate to treat Parker's leg. I mean, if there's three things you got to have is bandages, crackers, and cheese. Right. And atropine sulfate to well, treat that's burns. A, that's, that, that's a... Uh, that's a bonus. The druggist con- contacted How Sheriff often Hope. How they have burns? <laughs> Probably a lot. Well, now, Parker's leg is a burnt leg for life. <laughs> the sulfate is to treat her leg. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get what you were getting at there. Well, the druggist contacted Sheriff Holt Coffee, who put the cabins under surveillance. They're like, this motherfucker just came here for some cracker cheese and some fucking burn cream. <laughs> some burn cream, pretty <laughs> much, right? And he's like, hmm, that sounds a little suspicious. <laughs> weird. Right. <laughs> I don't know. They're going to wrap each other in bandages and burn cream and eat crackers and cheese while doing it. Or wrap the crackers and cheese in the burn cream and bandages. Right. Maybe it was like a... Right. Well, coffee had been alerted by Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas, as Dang oh, said. Nice. Law enforcement to watch for strangers seeking such supply. Wow. They want to oh, say, wow. who is buying this shit and where? Right. Nice. The Good. sheriff contacted Captain Baxter, who called for reinforcements from Kansas City, including an armored car. Oh, shit. I'm oh, car. shit. Shit's about to get real, real here. Um, sheriff Coffey led a group of officers towards the cabins at 11 p.m. armed with Tommy guns, oh, baby. Here's the Tommy guns. They're like, Bonnie and Clyde, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> 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 like, Cubans aren't here yet. <laughs> right. They're like, what the fuck is that? All right. <laughs> In the gunfight which ensued, the 45 caliber uh, Tommy gun was no match for Barrow's 30 caliber. Well, they had more than Mar- one. Right. They had more than one, but obviously, yeah, it was They all one. were armed with Thompsons. Right. They were no match for Barrow's 30 caliber, though. Nope. Which was stolen on the 7th of July from the National Guard Armory at Indeed, Oklahoma. 
Apparently, there's no story on that. Right. <laughs> These guys just pulled off a fucking gun robbery at the National Guard Armory. Right. That's fucking nuts. July 7th. And when, where are we at here? It was a while ago. He said he had this gun long. This is in July of 1933 the that they're here. In the beginning of the show, they said he had this gun. Right. Maybe it was a different one, though. Because they left around. He left. Maybe. Remember, they said that yeah, in that right. one place, they left, left a bunch of weapons. Yeah. Well, the gang escaped when a bullet short-circuited the horn on the armored car. Mm. And the police officers mistook it for a ceasefire signal. Oh, no. They did Talk not, about fucking luck. They did not pursue the retreat in barrel vehicle. Fucking talk about luck. They watched these guys get in the vehicle and drive away. And they're like, what do we do? We're like, well, the horn's going on. A, a random. <laughs> the horn's going on the armored car, so. A random fucking bullet hits a fucking horn and everybody's like, right. oh, that means ceasefire. So is this a uh, real. Well, the gang had evaded the law once again. But Buck had sustained a bullet wound that blasted a large hole in his forehead, skull bone, and exposed his injured brain. And Blanche was nearly blinded by glass fragments in both her eyes. Wow. Yeah. Wait a minute here. Buck had a sustained a bullet wound that blasted a, a large, large hole, hole in his forehead. Skull bone. And it, so his forehead was fucking exposing his brain. And, wow. And she was nearly blinded by glass fragments in both her eyes. The barrel gang camped at Dexfield Park, an abandoned amusement park near Dexter, Iowa. And that, that was uh, the 24th of July that they did this. Buck was sometimes semi-conscious, and he even talked and ate. Damn, motherfucker's eating and talking with the with brain exposed. But his massive head wound and loss of blood were so severe that Barrow and Jones dug a grave for him. <laughs> oh, no. Local residents right. noticed their bloody bandages, and officers determined that the campers were the Barrow gang. What, are they fucking hang them on clotheslines to dry them out? I don't know what's going on here. Had to have. I mean, right. had probably had to reuse the bandages. And so. Plus, they see somebody digging a grave. Right. I mean, like, what are these guys doing? Digging a grave for that guy. Well, local police officers and approximately 100 spectators surrounded the group, and the barrel soon came under fire. Oh, shit. Barrel, Parker, and Jones escaped on foot, literally for Parker. Um, Buck was shot in the back, and he and his wife were captured by the officers. Okay. Buck died of his head wound and pneumonia after surgery five days later at King's Daughters Hospital in Perry, Iowa. Damn. He still less than five days after after getting shot in the back. Nice. Dude was shot in the head, exposing his brain, then got shot in the fucking back, and he dies from pneumonia pretty much, actually. Yeah, is that this is he got an infection, yeah. Right. Wow. They, they fucking completely uh fucked Buck up. They they completely hung Buck and Blanche out the dry though. The right. gang's like, fuck you guys. I mean, bye. What do you do? What do you, they would have done the same thing. Uh, probably. Right. For the next six weeks, the remaining perpetrators ranged far afield from their usual area of operations, so they got the fuck out of there. It just took you this fucking long to figure it out? Right. Go to a new area. Right. They went west to Colorado, north to Minnesota, southeast to Mississippi, yet they continued to commit armed robberies. Idiots. They restocked their arsenal when Barrow and Jones robbed an armory at Platteville, Illinois hmm. on August uh, 20, 20th, acquiring three Assault rifles Dude, from they love Browning. They bars. Yeah, the bar guns. They got some handguns and a large quantity of ammunition, obviously. Nice. So these guys were like, you know what? We're ready. Right. We're, we're, but they're like still staying around that area. They're like circling around their fucking idiots. I mean, how far can you go, really? This has really proved to me how stupid these fucking uh, Bonnie and Clyde were, Dumb. to be honest with you. Dumb. Well, by early September, the gang risked a run to Dallas to see their families for the first time in four months. Fucking morons. Jones parted company with him, continued to Houston where his mother had moved. <laughs> he was arrested there without incident on November 16th and returned to Dallas. Through the autumn, Barrow committed several robberies with small-time local accomplices while his family and Parker's 
while his family and Parker's family attended to her considerable medical needs. Oh, she still needed it. It's just fucking man. hurting. It takes Dude, a long time. I was gonna say. Long time. Her skin's burn. literally gotta grow back over her bones. At least a year, right? Jeez. Twenty second November. They narrowly evaded arrest while trying to meet with family members uh near Sowers, Texas. Uh, Dallas Sheriff Smoot Schmid. <laughs> Damn. Name. Sheriff Smoot Schmid. Yeah, it was a fucking crazy name. <laughs> Deputy Bob Elkhorn and Deputy Ted Hinton. And they lay wait oh, nearby. Oh, no. As Barrow drove up, he sensed a trap, drove past his family's car, at which point Schmid and his deputy stood up and opened fire with their machine guns and a bar. Okay. Like, they got three. We got one. Why? We can at least do something wrong. The family members in the crossfire were not hit, but a bar bullet passed through the car, striking the legs of both Barrow and Parker. Jeez, their legs cannot fucking recover. She's like, son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> son of a bitch. Got the other one. <laughs> they escaped later that oh, night, though. Oh, no. Fucking Bonnie. Their leg is fucked, man. On November 28th, a Dallas grand jury delivered a murder indictment against Parker and Barrow for the killing oh, no. in January Nearly 10 months earlier, right. Tarrant County Deputy Malcolm Davis, it was Parker's first warrant for murder. Wow, it took that long. But not Clyde's. Right. Wow. 16th of January, 1934. Clyde orchestrated the escape of Hamilton, Methvin, and several others in the Eastham breakout. The brazen raid generated negative publicity for uh, for Texas. And Clyde seemed to have achieved what historian Phillips suggests was his overriding goal. Revenge! On the Texas Department of Corrections. Okay, so he did that, and then like, let's get out of the game now. He's like, my ass still hurts. <laughs> right. Motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> the Barrow Gang member, Joe Palmer, shot Major Joe Krausen during his escape, and Krausen died a few days later in this very hospital. These guys are just murdering everybody. Well, this attack attracted the full power of the Texas and federal government to the manhunt for Barrow and Parker. Right. As Croson struggled for life, prison chief Lee Simmons reportedly promised him that all persons involved in the breakout would be hunted down and moited. Moited. He swore that they would all be hunted down and killed, though. So he's, he's like, we're going to get them all, boy. I'll get them for you. Don't worry, Croson. Right. He's like, you, you get them. You get them bastards for me. Them sons of bitches. You get them. America. I will. Right. I will. The Texas Department of Corrections contacted former Texas Ranger Captain Frank Hamer. And persuaded him to hunt down the Barrow Gang. Okay. He's like, come on, Frank. He's like, you know, I'm out. He's like, come on, Frank. They some shit. Fucked up our boys. <laughs> Fucked up our boys. He was retired, and he was like, I'm retired. And they're like, I don't care. Your commission is not expired yet, though. Which means he's still legal to practice law, right? Practice law. <laughs> practice law. Pra- practice, practice enforcing law. And he was like, you know what? I think I got to do this, but I don't want to be a ranger anymore. I want to be a Texas Highway Patrol officer. <laughs> like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> They're like, wow, we just made it. I just made it up. Second, Secondarily, assigned to prison system as a special investigator as well. And given the specific task of taking down the Barrow Gang. Mm. So this guy is dealing with, damn, he, he was retired, not doing nothing. And he was like, well, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to know what's going on. And, other jobs. I, want, I want to be the secretary of what? What was he? He's like the main leader of the it's prison systems. Secretary of anything. Oh, he was a special investigator of the prison systems. Right. And he's going to be a fucking, the first ever fucking highway guy. That's what that guy looks like. He looks like he's on for some shit. Kind of looks like Costner. Costner has nothing to do with. Yeah, wasn't that the Kevin Costner character that he played? Oh, right. Yeah, because his wife was like, 
No, no you're retired. Like, well, I'm still commissioned. No, Frank Hamer. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hamer was tall, burly, and taciturn, unimpressed by authority and driven by an inflexible adherence to right or what he thinks is right. Right. For 20 years, he had been feared and admired through Texas as the walking embodiment of the one riot, one ranger ethos. So he's a badass. Right. He's, he's a badass motherfucker. He had acquired a formidable reputation as a result of several spectacular captures and the shooting of a number of Texas criminals. He was officially credited with 53 kills and suffered 17 wounds. Damn, dude. This guy, that's that's fucking um, that's crazy. Walker, Texas Ranger. Right. Fucking, right. Um, what's his name? Who plays him? Oh, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris ain't got nothing on Frank Hamer. He ain't getting 53 motherfuckers. Right. 53 motherfuckers. And wounded 17 times himself. Person Boss Simmons always said publicly that Hamer had been his very first choice, although there is evidence that he first approached two other rangers, both of whom declined because they're like, nah, I'm not going to shoot a woman. <laughs> Frank's like, I'll fucking shoot that bitch right in her head. Right. Mm-hmm. Starting on 10th February, Hamer became the constant shadow of Barrow and Parker on every fucking move they did. Living out of his car... Just a town or two behind them. Hmm. Three of Hamer's four brothers were also Texas Rangers. Brother Harrison was the best shot of the four. But Frank was considered the, the most, most tenacious. tenacious. He, was tenacious. he was tenacious Frank. Barrow and Methvin killed Highway Patrolman H.D. Murphy and Edward Bryant Wheeler on Easter Sunday of April 1st, 1934 at the intersection of Route 114 and Dove Road near Grapevine, Texas, which is now called South Lake, Texas. Right. An eyewitness account said that Barrow and Parker fired the fatal shots, and this story received widespread coverage. Widespread. Methvin later claimed that he had the he had fired the first shot after mistakenly assuming that Barrow wanted the officers killed. Barrow joined in, firing at Patrolman Murphy. Mm. Mm, that's probably what happened. Yeah, most likely. All right. During the spring season, the grapevine killings were recounted in exaggerated detail. I heard it about grapevine. It's very exaggerated in detail. But all these motherfuckers got killed. Right. And it affected, honey, honey, right, it, affected, yeah. it affected the public perception of what was going on. All four Dallas Daily Papers seized on the story told by the eyewitnesses. A farmer who claimed to have seen Parker laugh at the way that Murphy's head bounced like a rubber ball on the ground as she shot him. Hmm. The story, right. You see that? I remember her laughing, saying, it's out, his head just bounced on like a rubber ball when it bounced on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Give well, me that scar. It didn't, it didn't bounce down the road. Mm, right. When it hit the ground, it was right like, you know. Wouldn't that be crazy if it said actually did that? It was like, right. Anyhow, the stories claim that police found a cigar butt with tiny teeth marks on it. Tiny teeth marks on it. Supposedly those of Bonnie. Well, several days later, Murphy's fiance wore her intended wedding dress to his funeral, attracting photos and newspaper coverage. The eyewitnesses, oh, look at her. Look at her. Right. The eyewitnesses' ever-changing story was soon discredited, but the massive negative publicity increased the public clamor for the extermination of Bonnie and Clyde and his gang, whoever they were. Um. Yeah. The public's like, dude, fuck these guys. Look how sad it is. Right. That Murphy's fiance wore her wedding dress. Right. Her, her would-be wedding dress to his funeral. Funeral. I mean, come on. This way to tug on the old heartstrings of Americans, huh? Mm. Well, the outcry galvanized the authorities into action, and Highway Patrol boss L.G. Fares offered a war a reward of a thousand bucks for the dead bodies of the Grapevine Slayers. He didn't even say dead or nope. alive. That's why he only offered a thousand. 
You bring them here dead. Not not their capture, just the bodies. Right. Texas Governor Ma Ferguson re- added another reward of $500 for each of the two killers, which meant that for the first time there was a specific price on Bonnie's head since she was so widely believed to have shot H.D. Murphy. So now they're fucked. Now there's actually oh, money. Yeah. Now there's actually money on your head. There's people looking for her, right. not even not just the police. Public hostility increased five days later. When uh Oh geez, these guys just don't learn. Right. When Clyde and Methvin murdered sixty year old Constable William his name was Cale Campbell. Constable Cale. Constable Cale Campbell. A widower and a father. Mm. Uh oh, they just had uh, to add that in there, huh? Right. And they murdered him near Commerce, Oklahoma. Then they also kidnapped Commerce Police Chief Percy Boyd. They crossed the state line into Kansas, and then let him go. Give him a clean shirt, a couple bucks, and a quest from Parker to tell the world that she did not smoke cigars. <laughs> you tell the motherfuckers that I do not smoke cigars. That's so nasty. Oh, na- I did smoke cigarettes, though. So nasty. Her legs were so fucking uh, burned up. It's like she put cigars out for all of her life. Right. That's her ashtray. All right. Boyd identified both Bonnie and Clyde to the authorities, but he never, ever, ever learned Methvin's name. Okay, well, the resultant arrest warrant for the Campbell murder specified Clyde Barrow, Bonnie Parker, and John Doe. Historian historian Knight writes, For the first time, Bonnie was seen as a killer, actually pulling the trigger, just like Clyde. Uh Uh-oh. Whatever chance she had for clemency had just been reduced. The Dallas Journal ran a cartoon on its editorial page showing an empty electric chair with a sign on it saying reserved, adding the words Clyde and Bonnie. You know what I think happened here? I think in the beginning, Bonnie was just along for the fucking ride. She was in love with fucking uh, Clyde, and she was demented herself, but not as much as Clyde. And then she got fucked up with the leg. So now she's not a woman anymore, basically, you know. I guarantee that's how it was. Look at me. Look at me, Clyde. You don't want this. You don't want this. He's like, that's all right, babe. I'll give me something at the bar tonight. But I will take care of you forever. <laughs> no. But and then after a while, she's like, fuck this shit. And she got gruesome. I think she murdered out of hand like they thought. But she didn't smoke no cigars. She wanted the world to know that. Right. I don't smoke cigars, but I do murder. But I do think that when she got that leg injury with her leg almost burnt off, that and then she was like, no, fuck this shit. We're going down. Everybody wants to see that like. Right. I think in the beginning, though, she was Affecting her. She's probably like, look at me. Who the fuck the fuck? I might as well. Plus, I mean, they just had to escape from the cops seven different times. Right. She already got that shit happen. Got shot. Her fucking buck died. Right. The other bitch got captured. Yeah, imagine that. She was taking care of him for two days with the fucking brain showing. So, yeah, some of these motherfuckers. This is only the first part. And these guys are the dumbest criminals. Uh, Ever. If this was a... uh, Young and dumb, dumbest criminals of the week segment. They would right. this would be a fucking segment on dumbest criminals because these guys just did every fucking thing and anything to be captured. Isn't there somehow, a TV show on True TV? What's it called? The world's yeah, dumbest. World's yeah. dumbest. Yeah. World's Smoking dumbest. gun presents. Right. Yeah, these guys did everything and anything they could to fucking get captured, but somehow evaded police. <laughs> Ridiculous. The whole fucking time and killed more of them on the way. Ridiculous. Fucking crazy. I mean. Wow, I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised that they lived as as long as they fucking lived. That's well, nuts. Un- unfortunately for them, in our uh, part two of this episode, we will be obviously talking about the fateful day for Bonnie and Clyde traveling down the uh, road in their what was it Model A, Model T, it was whatever the like fuck that. they were in, yeah, in the ambush, the aftermath. And we go pretty in detail about the ambush, how it was set up, and who shot who, what shot what. 
And oh, then um because they they detailed it all. The yeah. shooters, the oh, yeah. cops are there. And then um yeah, the aftermath and pretty much everything else that happened after that and the uh influence of Bonnie and Bonnie and Clyde on the sensationalization of pretty much the 1930s crimes like these guys were committing. What's going to happen in uh this next episode? Nice, good stuff here, boys. We haven't even got to the good. We just fucking oh. seen how many this is Another like Wild West type episode. Where right. Fucking, it's just killings after killings after killings after, after killings murder, after killings after murder after murder after fucking murder. After one bad mistake after the next. I mean, these guys probably would have got away with a lot of the shit they did if it was in the Wild West. I don't know. I think so. Why? Everybody else in the Wild West was getting chased down in posses too. So that's true. Yeah, well, they just had cars to do it now. Right. So catch up to people a little bit uh quicker on a horse than right. on a horse right but yeah that's what part two is gonna be about we'll take a look at the shooting the ins and out of what took place what happened during how many shots were fired what what hit where and of course the aftermath and what happened to the rest of the gang including blanche who a lot of the story would actually come from is from blanche writing shit in jail about it mm. so uh yeah that's where i'll be our next week episode and then uh I don't know. Do we want to get right into, like, John Dillinger and Machine Gun Kelly? I don't know. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. But you guys can go check us out over on the Bang and Dang Show, wherever you get your podcast, where we do pretty much stuff like this. Just shoot off the cuff about shit, stupid whatever. news stories and yep. sports and music and whatever else we fucking feel like talking about. Just shooting the shit. And uh, we actually have our first episode out uh, with with the new contributor to the show cousin, cousin mike. mike cousin mike cousin mike so go check that out wherever you get your podcast the bang and dang show we'll be back next week for part two of the infamous bonnie and clyde yeah it's gonna be fun we got a lot of good episodes coming up this is the outlaws and gunslingers with the mouth of michiganders we are bang and dang